This Principle of Hospitality podcast is brought to you by Chef's Hat, the largest family-owned and operated hospitality supplier in Australia. Find more information at chefshat.com.au. Welcome to another Principle of Hospitality podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode. Principle of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We're straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Now, starting out as a pop-up in the Meerkat Cross Hotel in 2012, Fancy Hanks is undoubtedly Melbourne's finest barbecue. Using free-range meats from Gippsland, Victoria, and cooked in a two-ton custom-built smoker for up to 22 hours, this is legit barbecue. House-made condiments, a cracking range of sides, and a curated list of local wine, spirits, and beer, it has one of the best vibes of any venue in the Melbourne CBD, so I feel very lucky to welcome Michael Patrick, the Director of Operations of the podcast. Hey, Mike, how are you? Good. How are you, Sean? I am fantastic. It is great to have you on the show as we record this podcast on a rooftop, the Good Heavens rooftop, yes. uh, just above Fancy Hanks in the, in the uh, Melbourne CBD. So it's fantastic to be here. Like, obviously, we've known each other for a, a long time now, a couple of years now, um, especially during the pandemic and, and stuff like that. Fancy Hanks is legit. Like, just saying in the intro there, like, barbecue venues are notoriously hard to do, especially like really, really authentic wise. How did the idea for Fancy Hanks actually start out? Look, I mean, how we first started out with Fancy Hanks was um, born out of a trip to the States, a bit of yep. a holiday over there. You know, my background, for people who don't know, is that you know, I've been a, a professional chef for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last couple of years, I'm more front of house and more operations focused, but my primary love has always been cooking mm-hmm. and uh, specifically over fire. You know, I've done a lot of um, different cuisines where we, we use wood fire. I, I started out working at um, Ladro Restaurant in, in Greville Street. And, you know, we did wood-fired pizza there for mm. years and, and then went on to San Telmo doing Argentinian barbecue and, and, and then Fancy Hanks. And, you know, so when I discovered American wood-fired barbecue, I, I don't know, I, it was, I was drawn to it pretty quickly. <laughs> and, um, you know, I'd never seen anything like it in Australia and I thought, this is, this is amazing, you know, the big, big smokers and the pit masters, you know, working all night. And I thought, this is a pretty, pretty fun way to cook food. Yeah, right. And so then... You guys went over to America to have a look at what was happening in regards with barbecue. Is that sort of how it got started? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I found it by accident to start with because I was on my way to South America for a big trip and um, right. stopped off in Texas to see a friend. And you know, he, his first thing was, you, you know, you're Australian, you think you know barbecue, and I was like, <laughs> oh, of course. And he's like, let me let me take you and show you the sights, and and uh, that was where I, I first discovered it. But um, but it's it, it was a seed in my mind. At, you know, a couple of years down the track, went back for another couple of trips and. Yeah, got into it and I thought, let's bring this to Australia. You know, there's not, there's, I, I didn't know anybody doing it. And I thought, let's, mm. a bit of a gap in the market there. What excited you about what was happening in the US? Because obviously the US is the home of barbecue, right? Like, what, there's so many different styles of barbecue, like in the US. Did you decide to go to different parts of America to go and see different styles of barbecue? Or was there one that you sort of just centrally focused on? De- definitely, um, checked out a whole bunch of different places, you know, through the Carolinas and sort of Memphis, Tennessee, and, and then even up to New York where they do their own sort of style. 
Texas is probably where it was had the biggest impact on me, I guess. What I saw, which was really interesting, was was people with food trucks, uh, you know, starting up new barbecue businesses in Austin, Texas, and and doing really different stuff, doing Asian flavors through all their meats and sides, mm-hmm. and and really trying, you know, to push the boundaries of barbecue. And I, and I really love that. I thought, well, we're not we're not trying to do something that's you know only done one way. It's you know you, you can't change it. You, there's so much room for personality yeah in sure. the style of food and yeah i thought we can we can do this really well in australia so so it actually started as a pop-up definitely yeah so my business partner kent and i managed to get our hands on an old trailer smoker that a, that, a, <laughs> that an old old timer had right um, the thing had no registration didn't really couldn't take it over 40 k's an hour on the road without <laughs> causing an accident but um in a really simple setup just a firebox with a, with a chamber for cooking and um started there so we throw a couple of brisket in it in the um, back lane of our house that where we lived, annoy the neighbours by smoking out their laundry. <laughs> and then we'd pull up to lawn bowls clubs or music festivals or um, the Mercat Cross when we, we did pop up there and um, yeah. yeah, and just serve brisket on plastic trays. People queue up, order by weight. And, and it was, it was dif- different and fun, you know. What was the response like when you first sort of started? Because if you're talking about, uh, that would have been, what, 2010, 2011, uh, 2011, 2012, somewhere around that, obviously. Yes, it was, yep. yep. Like, people, were they understanding what barbecue was in not, Melbourne at that stage? Not at all, no. No, people were very much like, what is this? Yes. What, what is brisket? Right. I don't understand what you're serving me. Why yes. is it on a plastic tray with paper, <laughs> you know? And, and we, we thought, well, it's kind of, kind of the fun was educating people as well, I guess. You know, there was there was a couple of people in Australia doing a little bit of barbecue, but nothing of note. Yeah, so right. So we thought, let's, you know, and I guess this was born, from, you know, Kent and I's background of, of pretty fine dining restaurants. You know, mm. we, we, he, he worked front of house for a long time. I, I worked in the kitchen for a long time. We worked at various places together over the years. And in a way, we got a little bit sick of, you know, the structure of, of that sort of environment and thought this was a really interesting way of turning it on its head. And just doing something totally different, setting up on a trestle table with some plastic trays and a little bit of meat and some condiments. You know, it was really refreshing to sort of to do that and, and to have the control over it. What are we going to cook today and how are we going to tell mm. people about it? And let's post something on Instagram and see who shows up. You know, it was, it was really cool. When, when you did your early sort of recipes, were you guys testing and learning all the time? Or we, did you sort of test a lot before you actually went live with it, even in a pop-up sense? We definitely were testing while we were serving people. Yeah, right. there was um, just seeing what the reaction was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and playing around with all the different, you know, the rubs and sauces and and uh, the methods of cooking. I mean, the other thing was the the deeper we dove into the barbecue world, the more we found that there was no, there's no, no recipes rules. written down, <laughs> no rules. It was all done by feel, and you know yeah, these right. these really famous places in um in Texas, for example, would you know just have the pit master who'd been doing it for forty years or third generation or something, you know. So, yeah, you've, we really sort of just developed everything our, ourselves, which was which is really fun. So how long did it take before it became a pop-up thing to actually, you know, doing this venue that we've got in Burke Street in Melbourne? So we've been on Burke Street for six years now. So, yeah, it was a, a couple of years of doing pop-ups, residences at, at pubs and stuff like that. And I, I guess having that sort of ability just to you know, go do different things all the time and, and, and not be not take it too seriously, I guess, was um mm. was really fun. But there did come a point where we're like, well now we've got a few staff and, you know, we, we really wanted to sort of take it to the next level, which made sense to get a, a good bricks and mortar place like this one. 
How did you find it? Was it a restaurant before? It was. This this place was um, an Italian restaurant and rooftop before, in in a bit of disrepair. Um, I had my eye on it for a while, actually. You know, I'd walk past and think, oh, geez, that's a good, good spot right across the road from from Crossy Florentinos. And and when it when it came up and and the timing was right, it fell into place pretty quickly, actually. So it was it was great. How did it feel when you started, you know, doing a bricks and mortar site compared to you know doing these festivals and and different stuff? Was it was it like a good different or was it was it just tough? <laughs> <laughs> I I can't remember a time where I have done something in hospitality that hasn't been tough. To be <laughs> yes, that's a good point. But um, it did make a lot of sense as in it. It gave us an opportunity to give this concept a really nice, well-rounded finish when it was mm. the experience from the walk in the door, the, the drinks offering, um, the rooftop bar, Good Heavens, has been a great addition where it's, uh, you know, it, it creates an adventure to go through the whole the whole building. So there's a lot of really big positives. At the same time, you know, there's a massive commitment to sort of to fit out and, and staffing and all the rest of it. So it was like, well, I guess we're doing this now. And that's <laughs> that's it. To see how it rolls. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I've noticed in my research on Fancy Hanks, looking back at a lot of like first year, second year kind of pictures of the venue and, and how staff were dressed and all that kind of stuff. Was it Has there been a slight change in how you guys have gone about presenting the brand to people or do you think it's pretty pretty similar i think at its core it's always been the same it's been you know wood smoked barbecue served on platters but it's gone through a, a definite evolution you know where it was uh you know there was a point where we were like we're on the top end of burke street here we need to up our game yeah you know, level up a bit plastic trays and um yelling people's names out over the pass <laughs> might not fly you know up, up this end of the <laughs> end of the city but having said that uh the the longer we do this the more it, feels super comfortable to be really like strip it back and you know it's it's great food and really sort of simple simple offering and and people love that that's why they keep coming back they're not coming back for you know for anything more than that really so it doesn't need to be dressed up more do you get customers who came to you in those pop-up days who come into the venue like are they do they come in are they regulars 100 percent. really yep yeah i had a last friday lunch had a, a couple of of uh, guys come in that have been coming for 10 years to the Fancy Hanks, yeah. So they, they were one of the first ones at the pop-up. They've you know, got a connection to the States and they were really excited when we started doing barbecue and, um, and they still come you know, once a fortnight, once a month sort of thing. So yeah, right. that's pretty cool to see. Absolutely cool to see, especially after 10 years. Now, obviously, we're sitting in good heavens here. Beautiful rooftop bar in Melbourne. When did this happen? So, I mean, this, this came with the site, I guess. You know, coming from... The pub pop-up that we had before that, we realised the uh, importance of having you know outdoor space in a venue, having um, you know that sort of the casual environment where you can have a couple of drinks with friends. Mm-hmm. It's not too structured as far as if you want something to eat, grab a bite. You know, as much as we love the restaurant downstairs, we really thought having that additional you know part of the, part of the venue is really important. Yep. So it was a big part of the decision moved onto this site was to have the, the rooftop bar as well and mm-hmm. it's just such a great compliment to a, re- to a barbecue restaurant it's got you know slightly more feminine feel up here it's got its own clientele that come in and may not even know that there's a barbecue restaurant downstairs but at the same time you know, there's barely a table that comes into fancy hanks that hasn't already been to the rooftop for a cocktail beforehand yeah. and potentially you know kicks on after after dinner upstairs for a bit longer so it's got a lot of a lot of benefits for us yeah so was it always was it always Good Heaven? Part was this still called Fancy Hanks when you had when you started the brand? 
No, this was so new brand. So Good Heavens was yeah, moved right. in here. We we developed it and started it off with a you know, California Palm Springs ish sort of palette. You know, and just some fun even with the name. You know, let's let's make yeah, it fun. Absolutely. You know, I, I'm my big driving factor is like let's let's have fun. You know, we're in hospitality. That's about giving people a you know a break from their everyday life. It's about giving people an escape, so to speak. It's not just about the food and drink. It's about the whole the whole package, you know. I don't ever want to get too serious, you know. I think that there is places around that are very, very serious and it's not what I want to be part of, really. Is there a reason, operationally, why you did call it a different name? Was that a, was that a case of you just wanted to be two separate venues and you thought that complemented it well? I definitely think so, yeah. I, I was a little bit maybe gun-shy of having a... Texas style bar, you know, like whether it be sort of very manly and, and whiskey led and stuff like led. that. I thought yeah. we've got a lot of that downstairs. We have a fantastic whiskey range and mm-hmm. cocktail selection downstairs at the restaurant. We don't need to do more of that. I thought having a different experience on the roof, with, you know, with, some, with live music and DJs every weekend and stuff was, was a, a good compliment. So, separately, we've discussed different verticals of the business. So, people that know your brand obviously know the sources, they know the rubs, they know the salts. And we've talked separately, you know, over the last two years, obviously the challenge has been for CBD venues in around the country. How has something like having that vertical of a retail product helped the brand the last couple of years? It's, it's been really good. It's been really strong growth in that, in that side of the business. Uh, it's been something that we've been doing for probably as, as long as we've been cooking barbecue, we've been making sauces and rubs. Mm. It's, you know, and it was just a decision we thought, well, we had an awful lot of staff here. They didn't have much work. We thought, let's repurpose everyone and and push out this sauce and seasonings and rubs and stuff and, and see what we can do with it, see whether it can stand on its own two feet, become a, a business on its own, and, and that's what's happened. So it's, it's been really good. Did you develop the menu, sorry, the retail products more during the last couple of years? Like has, it, has the actual range increased over that period of time? Yeah, it, it has quite a lot. We um, started out by doing a barbecue sauce and a couple of hot sauces and now we're up to we've got 11 products you know four different hot sauces four different barbecue and tomato sauces and um and a bunch of rubs and stuff as well so are you thinking about that from a brand experience piece for people to go home and use it and then come back to the restaurant like if you notice that sort of a almost like a circular movement that someone will come into the restaurant then purchase some retail product and then come back into the restaurant because they've been reminded of the sauce they're using at home oh definitely yeah a lot of that's been happening, yeah. A lot of new customers that have had our sources and gone, oh, wow, you guys are a restaurant. I'm going to go come check you out. Um, so in, in, a, in a sense, it's a, it's a really strong marketing campaign that actually generates income as well. So yep. it's, it's been really, really beneficial. So how are you thinking about, you know, those kind of different verticals like, like retail, like merch and all that kind of stuff coming out of COVID? Are you putting as much, obviously not as much, but are you putting the same kind of intensity and the same kind of thought process into how you're going to continue to build out those sort of revenue streams? Definitely, yeah. I would say the the source side of things is getting equal attention to the restaurant now. Wow. Whereas before it was a side project, definite side project. Now it is, it's its own company. It's got its own structure, starting to um, sort of really shore it up and, and, and get sort of market penetration into all of Australia and even this morning having a chat about some international sort of stuff. So, wow. You know, I think it, it, it makes sense. It's also, I think if one thing COVID showed as well was, you know, my love of food and, and hospitality is, is, is huge, but that got taken away really fast last year. 
yes. two years ago. It got taken yeah. away completely and it was quite scary for everyone. Yeah, to have some uh, diversity in your, in your business gives you some <laughs> security if it's ever yes. to happen again, you know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, we've also talked separately before about order at table. So you've got order at table every single table in the venue, both upstairs and downstairs, um, obviously with Mr. Yum and stuff. How have you found that transition to go to that? Because obviously at the start, you weren't doing that. It would have been complete human <laughs> order at table. Yes. I'm trying to think what the term is yes. now. Yes. But how have you found that transition? How have you found that's helped coming out of COVID? Again, been, it's been a really strong move. Something that we looked at pre-COVID and I was pretty hesitant. You know, I'm a bit of an old school hospitality guy and I sure. thought, you know, replacing wait staff and well not replacing wait staff but replacing that interaction with customers is dangerous and i don't think it'll work and mm. et cetera, et cetera. but i really think that the the uh the pandemic helped sort of push a lot of that stuff through that, yeah and also just change my attitude towards it you know more open to to doing things differently now what we were doing before didn't stop us being shut for nine months so therefore i'm like well why don't we try doing things differently now and, and it doesn't feel as scary, you know? Interesting. Yeah, and customers are open to stuff like this, you know, open to tech solutions and changes more than ever. And I think it's, 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 here, it's definitely here to stay and it's more and more common and there's going to be more and more solutions and, and things changing in our industry to embrace that. And that's, that's cool. That's really cool. You know, the QR code ordering, you know, I thought it was going to eliminate staff and it hasn't. It's repurposed staff. So it's given us the opportunity to put more people in more creative roles in the company to, to work on the food and the barbecue. It's given the bartenders and my bar managers more scope to work on on better better cocktails and better drinks lists. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's given the customers like easier access to heaps more information. And, mm. and I'm like, I didn't expect that. You know, I just thought it was a, a money-saving idea that people would be grumpy about. And that's not what's happened. It's actually been a, an amazing benefit. Mm. working the floor in the restaurant and having people order their own food and drinks means that we're freed up to make sure people are having a great time, you know, yeah, of course. to make sure they're getting their product really great, they're having a great experience, the venue's all good and, you know, set up and how it should be and we're not standing at point-of-sale terminals punching in orders anymore, which is was always a bit of a time drag. So, yeah, it's been amazing. It's been really good. How did you make sure when you guys first brought it in that, like, the steps of service were still there? Because obviously this is a... Barbecue is a product that some people need probably some, you know, education on, right? Like Definitely. if they haven't used it bef- before, even though you've been in market for 10 years now. Like, yeah, how did you make sure the steps of service were still there so the staff were still giving great service but using tech at the same time? Mm. I mean, that that was probably the biggest thing that we worked on when we implemented the uh, QR code ordering mm-hmm. with Mr. Yama. It was the sequence of service. You know, we still yep. have one, guys. We still have one. It's still really important. It's, you know, w- one, welcome people into the venue and say, thanks for coming. <laughs> We're here to have a good time. Um, and two, just talking through it, saying, look, you know, this is the digital menu. This is how it works. Pull it up while I go grab you some water, we'll, you know, get a beer on the way or whatever. And then, you know, just help them through it if there's any any questions. So, you know, early days, of we've been doing QR code for two years now. So early days, there was a fair bit of, I don't know how to scan this. My phone isn't working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't really like this. I want a paper menu. And, the, <laughs> you know, there was, you know, some stuff we had to work around there. But but now, I mean, 90% of the tables, by the time I've got them something to drink, they've already ordered mains. They're already, 
look at this and they they put their phones down and they're back to chatting and yeah. it's, all, it's all happening, you know. It's, it's definitely been a big pickup. But it's been a big focus of us to explain it and just, you know, make sure that people understand that, yeah, this is actually... It's actually better than me standing here telling you how brisket's cooked because you can see how it's cooked. It's got pictures, it's got explanations, it's got all the information you could possibly need on there. Yeah. Yeah, I'm here just to facilitate it. So, yeah. Have you found your turn times have increased? Like, Def- as in you're able to seat more people during a busy Friday night or Saturday night? Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's, it's happening um, It's happening quite a bit faster. Yeah, the more savvy people get with this stuff, the the second, third drinks orders are... I mean, they're doing it themselves. They don't have to flag someone down. Yeah. You know, we get really busy and we don't you know, get back to a table for a little while. It, it doesn't matter so much because they can they can just jump on and do it themselves. So there's been lots of big upsides to it, yeah. No, that's good. Because I think, I think that sometimes the barrier, even when they get this kind of tech in, brands get this kind of tech in, like the steps of service drops and all of a sudden they're not doing checkbacks, you know, and things like that. And then, and then it's kind of not the best thing for a venue like if they're not thinking about that but sure. it's good to hear how you've trained the team in order to execute on something that's really really super important because this is an experience led brand definitely and people do need education around it so having humans is as important as having really good technology well it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a an addition you know what yes. I mean? this, this is yeah, the thing yeah, it's yeah. not it's not a replacement and i think yeah. a lot of people see it as you know this is a cost cutting exercise it's, it's actually helping my staff not getting rid of them you know talking about checkbacks i mean we're able to do it so much easier now because we're not like i said before we're not standing with notepads punching in orders because it's all being done it's that we've automated that that labor intensive part yep. so we can focus on just yeah coming back and being like what's going on how's how's everything going how are the ribs how are the brisket you know it's it's been a yeah it's been great focus on the fun conversation exactly yeah mm. well, that's what it's about that's that's the what good service is about i don't believe that good service is about accurately taking orders and putting them into a computer yes that's the only thing that's different you know and if that's some people believe that then that's fine but the good service is about the the rapport you build with customer and you know making sure they're having a good time that's what it's about has it made you think of any like are you doing any kind of other automation any other automation because obviously you came from a point where you weren't thinking about automation at all is there anything else that you guys are doing to save time Nothing specifically, but I'm definitely looking at it. Yeah. Mm. Definitely thinking of, of ways we can further use tech, you know. It's really exciting to see that benefit in, in the business that the QR code has been. And I think it's only really been the last few months where I've really seen it settle. Because it does feel like we're in a position of um, confidence in the market and a lot of people coming back to the city and, and they're just, you know, completely fine with all this stuff. So I'm like, well, if that's that's what we're, where we're at now, we're, how where can we push it next? I think there's heaps of opportunity, whether, you know, sort of production of, of food and drink or even more integration with, you know, all the other bits and pieces like ordering and stock taking and stuff. There's, there's heaps of efficiencies to be gained if we can do it right. Yeah, it's early stages for those kind of next level products, isn't it? It's interesting to see where that's going to go because you could literally automate everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. If I can ask you, you sort of remarketing people after they've been and trying to sell like retail products to them or anything like that? Are you doing? Are you going that far with marketing yet? Uh, a little bit. We've discussed this stuff, and I think that's probably the next move with the source company is to start really getting into that. You know, I think traditionally marketing in a restaurant is um, it's so hard. There's never enough budget. You Good know, point. there's never enough free money to to really throw at marketing. I think, you know, if you're spending three or four percent of your 
you know, revenue and marketing in a restaurant, that's a lot. Whereas a, a product has potential for and probably need for quite a lot more investment. So, yes. so we're actually, yeah, we're walking through that at the moment and seeing how we can yeah, really sort of push it out and play with it. That's awesome to hear. Yeah. Because I can imagine, like, even if you guys wanted to, and I want to talk about development that you're going to do here in a second, but you could literally see where your source is being sold around the country. And if you had a heap of source that was being sold in one particular area, you could, you could do a pop-up or another fancy Hanks venue and all that kind of stuff. If you wanted to, right? Yeah, definitely. I think that that level of data is um, it's very powerful and very useful. So, mm. let's talk about this particular venue and what you guys are moving to next, because I think that's the most exciting thing that people kind of want to hear. What it, what's the plan next for this venue? So we've been lucky enough to get the um, the lease for right next door to us, which is um, on the corner of Exhibition Street, Burke Street, which was the uh, Grand Trailer Park. Really. Um, OG but, uh, burger joint that was there for quite a long time. And, yep. um, yeah, I know the guys from that quite well. And, you know, during the pandemic, they said, look, you know, we're not sure we're going to reopen. And I thought, well, there's an opportunity here that wouldn't have come about if it wasn't for this climate. And I, and I believe that, I don't know, I think it's, it's striking at this point when the city's potentially or was at a bit of a low point. If we can pull it off, it could be a really good move. So mm-hmm. it's also, it's not, it's not often that we have an opportunity for a venue that's like connecting walls you know you know we're gonna we're gonna renovate the burger shop downstairs and do a pub it's gonna be like a sports bar so we'll have um a walkway from fancy hangs into it and then we're going to build a rooftop on top of the building and make good heavens um three times the size so with connecting areas and uh another giant bar so you know the efficiencies that we can gain by expanding next door are just I've you know never really come across that before, so it's a really exciting opportunity. Yeah. From where you are now, from a footprint, like is that going to double or triple your size? Yeah, nearly triple. It's quite a bit bigger next door. So, how does that make you feel? It it feels exciting. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really exciting. Um, you know, the fun stuff is happening now with the design and yeah, you know, all that all really cool stuff. The concept sort of stuff. We've got some um, some menus and ideas around what we're going to serve there. As far as the, the operational running of a place that big, it's it's a little bit hairy. I bet. <laughs> yeah, we're going from, from my background of, you know, you know, running kitchens to then running a restaurant to then running a restaurant and a rooftop bar to this step up is going to, you know, be significant. We'll be a, you know, 800-person venue with, you know, majority with four different bars and wow. and two different food concepts. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be a big challenge. I think there's, again, that, that tech, you know, I'm thinking yeah. how can we – do this now rather than trying to retrofit something later. You know, 100%. how can we, you know, preempt what we're going to need? And even as far as just the, the structure of it and the staffing, you know, there's there's quite a lot more people going to be needed, and that's a that's a tough thing right now. Um, hopefully, that'll ease a bit over the next six months. We'll wait and see. So, it feels like a really good challenge that I'm ready for. So, I kind of feel like when we talked about it a couple of months ago, I kind of feel like it's the place that you would want to hang out like all the time. Like I feel like that's continually what you're building. Here, Mike, is like another version of like where I'd like to hang out with like live sports and all that kind of stuff Mm. and really take on that kind of real Americana kind of market but make it Australian. Yeah. And make it really genuine, really friendly and really fun to hang out with. I mean, I I don't see why you would do anything different to something that you want to do. I mean... (laughs) That's a great point. I I don't know. I mean, (laughs) this, you know, people listening and yourself, I think, understand how tough an industry this is, you know. Mm. This is, 
there's way easier ways to make cash if you, if you want to get paid. <laughs> you, know, you can go work somewhere else and, and, yes. and get a get a paycheck. You know, if you don't love this, then it's not going to work. I, I don't think. And and that starts from the top. You know, as the as the boss, that you know, the, the key staff I've got below me, and and right through down to our juniors. You know, we all really care about what we do, and I, it, it shows. I think. Yeah. You know, oh, it means you can deliver. You can deliver a venue that's you know that's not um pretentious and you know we really care if people come in here and have a good time and that's you know including ourselves you know we we have a good time at work you know yeah and that's super important so obviously you know doing this kind of investment in the cbd must make you feel confident about where the cbd is going what's make you what's made you have that leap of faith because obviously the last two years have been awful for the for the bricks and mortar part of this brand like, and, yeah. how did you guys come to the resolution that, oh, yeah, we're actually going to spend a heap of money here and do something incredible, like even more incredible? I mean, I've always been a massive believer of the city and you know, the CBD. I've worked all over the city for 20 years. And, you know, I did say, like, we're top end of Burke Street. We'll never have a problem with walk, path, walk by traffic, you know. True. And then 2020 <laughs> and 2021 <laughs> proved me wrong. Yes. Know? There's been fantastic support from the landlords and, and the state government and stuff as well. Like, it, it has been enough to keep us afloat, which I'm very grateful for and, um, you know, I think is so important and needed, you know. But also, I'm just... I, I never had a doubt that the city wouldn't come back. I mean, it just... I couldn't see a future where it wouldn't, you know. And we, we had some pretty top-line discussions about why on earth would we invest in another venue next door when we've barely made it through the last two years. And, yeah. you know, what if you know, this continues for another two and what if, whatever, you know, yeah. what if, what if, what if? And mm-hmm. I said, look, what if is a, a great website to get last minute bookings? <laughs> <laughs> but I, did you I, actually say that? I did, yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm going to use that. <laughs> but okay. I, but I'm like, I don't I don't have a crystal ball, you know. Yeah. But what I do know is that if this, if this situation continues for another two years, we'll be bankrupt. So who cares? Yes. So yes. put it all on the line. You yeah. Know, let's go, double down and... um. There's, you know, we, we signed the lease next door and put down significant money in the depths of the last lockdown. And that was pretty hairy. Wow. But having said that, the last couple of months have just given me a really nice, okay, cool, we're back, it's busy, this was a good idea. Yes. You know? And I think just that who dares win sort of mentality a little bit. You know, the, the, like I said, the opportunity came up next door that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. Sure. It, there's no way that would have come up in that uh, the deal wouldn't have been able to get done. Yeah. We wouldn't have had the support from the council that we've had with, with the planning. We wouldn't have had... And we wouldn't have had that sort of um, mentality of like, you know, let's just do it, you know, and see what happens. Because, you know, you'd, you'd feel like you had something that was going okay and we, you might ruin it. Well... Well, you know what? It wasn't going okay for the last two years. So yes, let's just see what we can do. And um, yeah, I feel like it'll it'll work. Obviously, that situation of you extending the venue has happened because you know you've obviously been connected with the guys from Grand Trailer Park, and I know Danny well, and he's coming up in a couple of episodes and that kind of stuff. Like, has it almost taught you the importance of being good to the people who are around you, like neighbours wise and that kind of stuff? Like, I'd imagine you'd be that person anyway. A hundred percent. Yeah, I know, mean. You've got to. That's the thing. It's, it's a very small industry. Uh, you know, lots of people and um, and lots of different operators. And, um, yeah, and, like, even the conversation we had around taking over the site was, like, how are you guys going? Are you all right? <laughs> you know, what's what's going on with you guys? If you had enough support? You know, we're thinking A, B, and C. What do you reckon? feel like it would do the site justice. And, you know, and the last conversation we had was, like, hand over the keys and was, like, you know, I'm glad you guys have got it. 
and I know you're going to do amazing things mm-hmm. and I can't wait to come in, you know. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got to, we've got to look after each other and, and work with each other. I think that, um, I think that, that goes right back to the barbecue concept for me. One of the things that really stood out apart from the food was that camaraderie between all the, the pit masters and all the different barbecue joints in the States, they're all friends. Yeah. And that's the same here. The other the other barbecue joints and a lot of the other, you know, restaurateurs that I know, we're, we're mates, you know, and we, we don't have secrets and we're not competing, you know. Even if we're on the same block in the city, we're not. We're like, you know, we're in the same industry and we're, we care about what we're doing and, you know, we want to preserve the, you know, the experience for customers and stuff. So I don't see any benefit in, in competing against, you know, other other traders. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I bet. Mm. I imagine that must have kept you quite humbled the last couple of years and in a good place because the whole time I've known you, you've always been positive and obviously the last two years have been awful. But, you know, you've always been hopeful. Like I imagine that community around you the last two years must have really helped. Oh, definitely, yeah. I mean, that if, if anything, it got stronger, you know, because there was a lot of like, wow, what's happened? <laughs> Is everyone going to be okay? You know? Yeah, exactly. And there's a, a lot more of checking in with each other and, um, yeah, we had to. And we had to stay positive and and, um, and hopeful because, yeah, without that, I don't know, I'd, I feel like I'd just walk away. I don't know. If I didn't have hope and positivity, then um, I'll go do something else. Like, yeah, know, of I, course. I just, this life's too short to to think of the worst-case scenario all the time. I mean, it's just not – you're never going to be able to grow and, and deliver a you know, business like this if you're focused on the negative. There's just no chance. Uh, I don't think it would work out so well. Does it make does it make you more thankful? I suppose you've got really good like you've got business partners as well, rather than potentially you've done this by yourself like a couple of years ago. I think so. Yeah, we we, we lent each other quite a lot. You know, mm. we had a lot of a lot of sessions of checking in and just not not work talk, just like what's going on personally and you know, yeah. How, yeah. You, how are you, how you feeling you today? How are you feeling today? <laughs> how are you keeping busy? You know, are we all doing exercise. Are we mm-hmm. all are we all eating okay. Like yes. let's just try to. <laughs> <laughs> Stop drinking whiskey. Stop drinking whiskey <laughs> during the day. Yeah, yeah. My last question to you, Mike, is obviously like I know what you're going to be excited about. You know, moving forward. Obviously, I'd love to know when the plans are to open to venues. But the other part of the question is like, what have you taken out of the last two years that you're you've started that you're continuing to use now as part of sort of what you do as being Mike Patrick? As far as the exciting renovation next next door, I mean, we're gonna. We're going to get Good Heavens extension open by end of 2022, by end of this year, which is really wow. exciting. Yep. Um, you know, the people we're talking to now, hope we're pushing really hard for a start of summer. So hope we get that that summer trade. Yep. Um, and then downstairs, which will be the pub we're going to call Spring Rock, will um, probably be six months later, I think. We're going to have to do a little bit of work to fancy Hanks with kitchen and stuff like that to get mm-hmm. it open. So we won't do that over summer, sort of stage it a little bit. But, okay. Um, yeah, but that's really, really cool timeline. And um, again, feels feels right, feels manageable. But yeah, look, stuff that you know it's carried on through or has changed really. Like personally, um, I don't know. I think I think focus on um, on family's been a really big thing for me. Okay. It, it always has been. You know, I've got I've got a daughter, Billy. She's six this week, and my awesome wife, Chloe. And you know, the one thing we found in the the pandemic was that we spent heaps of time together. And, you that know, must have been weird for you. Part, yeah, part of me, I was like, we're you know, we're going to kill each other, you know, for sure. Like, for sure. But the opposite happened, you know. Yeah. The bickering that, you know, happens in All in the a time home, anyway. In a home. Anyway, yeah. it, it really fell away. And I thought, and actually, we had conversations and laughed about it. I said, what, what's the deal? And they said, we, I think a lot of that stuff was based around stress and busy mm. work, 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 and not enough time for each other. And, you know, when we found out that, you know, 
They're like, actually really like each other. Like, this is <laughs> <laughs> that makes me feel better that I actually still like you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, that was a really cool um, experience. And also spending a couple of really good years with um, with Billy, you know, when she was sort of four and five was you know, awesome. Went up, you know, she's not going to be that age again. And, you know, now she's started primary school and, and I'm available for all the, the drop-offs and, and pickups and stuff. So, yeah, th- I'm, I'm really focused on keeping that balance a bit more than, you know, in the past I've been a terrible workaholic where I'm just always here, you know. Yeah, sure. Um, and it's not needed, you know. It's actually not beneficial. I find that I'm better balanced when I'm here less. Yeah, yeah. right. Interesting. Cool. And also we're, we're pushing that down to all our all our key staff as well. You know, no one's, um, you know, everyone's going to be contracted for four four days a week for full time and, you know, it's something that, that um, I've seen a lot of in the industry and, and I think it's a really good positive that hopefully hospitality can and deliver everywhere, yep. which I think gives, you know, key staff, you can be a professional chef and still have a really good hobby outside of work, you know, which is something mm. I could never do. Yeah, else, right. You know, you know, working 70 hours a week, you just, you can't do anything else. Whereas if it's a bit more manageable, then, you know, you come to work way more refreshed and energetic. So, yeah, that's stuff I'm really keen to, to keep. I mm. think it's good. Yeah. Has that been hard to, for staff to get their head around the fact that I imagine they would have been five days before and now you're moving them to what, like four or ten-hour shifts? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, more like a, a two double shifts and, and then two short shifts, so it's even, yeah, sort of better than that. Yeah, yeah right. Mm. But it was, it, was it hard to get their mind around that? Because, I mean, when I was coming through the industry, like 60, 70 hours a week was normal. Mm. Did it take a bit of time? Um, not really. I mean, most of them were pretty, pretty keen with it, you know. <laughs> I mean, we, we've... Tr- We've sort of never been okay with that 60, 70 hour week thing. You mm. know, I've never wanted people to do it, you know, unless it's extenuating circumstance. Sure. But, but then to move it to four days, I mean, it just, it does give, you know, my head chef had a baby six months ago and, and again, he's been able to spend heaps of time with her and his wife and it's just really cool to be able to do that and still, you know. It wouldn't have happened before. It wouldn't have happened before. It would have been like, you've got to choose. <laughs> What's the best way that people can find out more about Fancy Hanks. I think after this conversation, a lot of people are going to go come and visit if they haven't already. But what's the best place? I mean, yeah, come visit 79 Burke Street. That's that's the, the best way to come and see what we do. But, I mean, Instagram, Fancy Hanks, and, and fancyhanks.com is the website. So you can come check it out. And Beautiful. We'd love to have you in. As always, linked up in the show notes of this podcast, I definitely want to come down at the end of the year when you open up this bar as well. I think we should do another podcast again. Should be really fun. Yep. Yeah, I think we'll be right. Thank you, Mike. Hey, Appreciate your time. Me. Awesome. <laughs> thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that one, especially if you're just thinking about what barbecue is. This is definitely the best barbecue place in Melbourne, if not Australia. So make sure you come down. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind. So we really appreciate you sharing it along with your friends and also make sure you follow it so if you're listening through apple Podcasts, you can easily do that by hitting subscribe or if you're on spotify just hit follow and if you don't know us at post that's my co-founder has principal design one of the best design agencies in australia so if you're looking for anything around strategy branding digital design wayfinding or graphic design you can find them at principaldesign.com.au and myself at open pantry consulting for anything to do with systems and processes we're also doing a bit with recruitment and tech stacks at the moment which is pretty cool thanks so much for tuning into another episode and until next time stay safe everyone this episode was brought to you by the team at chef's hat the largest family owned and operated hospitality supplier in australia 
Find more information at chefshat.com.au.